3, please. And uh, how many know God wants you to live a stress-free life? Everybody say, no more stress. Amen. Praise the Lord. No need for it. You weren't designed to carry stress, actually. Uh, you know, the scriptures are, uh, you know, evident, amen, that God wants you to walk free from stress. And, um, you know, just for whatever it's worth, you know, uh, uh, 90, they say, anyway, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know, I just can, but I, I can read some of the stuff they say, but um, they say 90% of uh, all diseases are somehow or another related to stress. 90%. I thought that was kind of a high number, but, you know, I'm not, you know, they're the ones that, you know, know what they're talking about. At least you hope they do. And uh, they say 50% of all office calls in the uh, doctor's office, referring to, are stress-related. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to walk free from stress. And for whatever it's worth, I thought this is, you know, worthy of, of making note. Uh, you know, the word stressed, uh, spelled backwards, is dessert. Desserts. It's pretty important because, so you know, if you, you know, the opposite of being stressed out is eat a lot of dessert. Just want to see if you're listening. Amen. Feel better already. Amen. I should have handed out cheesecake tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. So we're going to go to uh, 2 Timothy and chapter 3, please. And uh, we'll read in a few verses, and we're going to kind of spend a little time here and dissect this. And, and uh, got a, uh, I'd like to kind of get this one out of the way tonight so that when we uh, move back into some, some of these other things I want to touch on concerning this series, um, I just, you know, I think it's necessary. Um, so uh, verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, let's go ahead and read through this, it says, but know this, uh, look at your neighbor and say, you better know this, <laughs> know this, that in the last days, and I believe we're in those days, it says that perilous times will come. Now that word perilous, uh, uh, you know, in fact, your cross-reference, at least mine does, and I'm sure many others, it's dealing with times of stress, okay? Uh, some translations use words like great, uh, great stress. Uh, there's times of great stress or times of stress, okay? And it says they will come. Okay, but it says here, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, a whole bunch of uns there, uh, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. What a list, huh? This is what you probably not or probably wouldn't put on your refrigerator for a verse to keep. Uh, but anyway, uh, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such uh, people turn, around, turn away from. All right, so anyway, uh, perilous times, or stressful times, verse 1 there. Um, the word stress refers to, you know, most, you know, most everybody kind of has an idea what stress is, but refers to tension, uh, strain, uh, could be things like nervousness, weariness, fatigue is a huge one, and it, usually it says fatigue is due to overexertion or or self-serving or self-striving, which is really important because that's what he's dealing with with this whole text. And uh, so, uh, you know, so fatigue uh, over from overexertion or self-serving or striving. Amen. Now, um, stress, uh, I can't even remember now where I read this, uh, so 
Should have probably wrote that down. But, uh, but stress uh, is an achievement thief. And uh, it, it's an achievement thief. It'll, it'll knock you off. You won't, you won't conquer. You won't overcome. You won't take ground if you're constantly stressed. In fact, it's a killer, So, which I think we kind of established that. Um, so it's, it's an achievement thief. And uh, so, you know, I felt in my heart when, uh, you know, dealing with things like overcoming and, and stuff, and this is the year that when, and you're probably going to hear a lot of sermons dealing with overcoming and conquering. Come on. Hallelujah. And uh, so, uh, you know, I don't want to have my achievement ripped off from me. I don't want my calling or my gifting cut short. Come on now. We know by Scripture that can happen. Are you hearing me? And, uh, you know, just because you have a call don't mean it's going to be fulfilled. You know, and if you're dying young, you sure as heck ain't going to fulfill it. You know, or if, uh, you know, you're constantly stressed out and so you throw in the towel or throw in your hand, say, I'm done, I'm not going to go any further because I'm too overcome. And here the whole time you're called of God and you got anointings in your life and you got, you know, uh, you, know you got a, a destiny to fulfill, things to accomplish, things to overcome, things to achieve. And, uh, you know, if you're, you're stressed out and full of tension and fatigue all the time, chances are you're not going to move forward. I think that's kind of a gimme. And so, anyway, uh, you know, turn to your neighbor and say, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've checked my schedule. Tell him that. And it's too full to stress out. <laughs> yeah, I got too much on my schedule. I ain't got time to, to you know, stress out. Praise the Lord. Amen. In fact, some of you need to write a Dear John letter to your stress. And say, we're not going together anymore. Amen. Get out of my life. Amen. Hallelujah. So, uh, you know, say to somebody right next to you, they'll say, no more stress. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Uh, let's jump down here to verse 5. We're going to kind of jump around here a little bit. Um, but I just got, I need to establish this before getting to what we have to uh, do today. Um, it says here, having a form of God. So he's talking about a group of people here. Okay, now we, a lot of times we might look at this and think that this is talking, you know, to just the world, which, you know, I, I, it does include the world, but remember, this is a letter to the church. Actually, it's a letter to Timothy, but, you know, here he is, a pastor of a church. Come on, somebody. So this is, it really is a letter to him and his church. And so, um, you know, you got you know, you to you take heed to it. That's why it says, know this. Verse 1, know this, right? So verse 5, he says, they have having a form of godliness, but denying its power and from such turn away, you know. So having a form of godliness, all right. So the word form um, means an appearance of or a, a formula of. That's what you get the form, formula of. In other words, they, they might have the right formula. Come on, somebody. So a form of godliness, and the word godliness, when you look it up, just means, it says gospel scheme. So it's talking about, you know, the way of, you know, God, the way of religion or the way of being religious kind of a thing. So bottom line is, you know, he's talking about having a form or an appearance or a formula of religion, but yet denying its power. And the word denying isn't, it means to refuse or reject, but uh, one of the words in that uh, definition is abnegate, okay? And I didn't have a clue what that word meant, you know, so I had to look it up. 
uh, but it means to abstain from, to disregard, or to stop short of. So in other words, he's saying here that you could have a form, uh, you know, you could look the part. I said you can look right and not be right. See, you can have a form of it and yet the whole time come up short of the very power that's necessary to live it. And when we get into this today, you're going to find out that's exactly what it comes down to. Uh, You know, it's about not leaning on Him and the whole time just leaning on your own ability, your own strength or whatever. And so what happens anytime you do that, um, you're, you're going to stress out. It's inevitable, okay, when you're trying to do everything in your power. And this whole text is dealing with self-serving or self-striving. So self-serving, you know, it's all about you, or self-striving, in other words, it's all about you accomplishing. And anytime it becomes that route or goes down that route, it's inevitable that you're going to live in stressful times. Because just because the world's stressing out don't mean you have to. In fact, in all, in all, you know, in just all honesty, you should never be stressing out. Because if we, if we know who we are in Christ, and we know what we have, and we're leaning on Him and trusting in Him, amen, we should walk free from stress. Amen. So again, say to your neighbor, no more stress. Now, you know as well as I do, you probably all least stressed out one time this week. You don't have to raise your hand. I ain't asking for that. But somewhere along the line, you know, we, we let something get to us, and the next thing we know, we're being overcome instead of overcoming. And so we're, amen, we're, in a sense, taken under or been, you know, taken for a ride or getting pulled under the bus or whatever you want to say. And so it happens. And so why does these things happen? And so that's what the things we want to address with this series, um, you know, a stress-free living, praise God. Because as a child of God, you should be living stress-free. Amen? That was weak. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So I'm going to ask another question. Um, are, uh, do you have an ear to hear tonight? Okay. I might ask you that a few times before we're done with this. Amen? Because I don't want you to shut me off. I want you to hear it. Amen? Because I don't want to have to come back and preach this again the next week. All right. So, praise the Lord. So, having a form of God but denying His power. In other words, somehow or another, we are disregarding or coming up short of the very power that's available. And that word power is dynamis or dunamis, depending on how, you know, uh, I'm sure I mispronounced it there. But it just means force, might, or ability. It means miraculous power. In other words, it's referring to His ability, all right? So in other words, when you're denying the power, what we're doing is we're denying His ability. We're denying His might. Are you with me? So we might be right in sight, but not in might. You know, kind of, you know, kind of works. Amen. So you might be right by, you know, appearance. You know, it looks right. You might even, in a sense, sound right once in a while. Come on, somebody. But when you're all alone or in the confines of your home or in those pressure moments or at work, you know, that's when you need the might. That's when you need power. That's when you, come on now, right? I mean, it's in them pressure moments that this needs to work. All right? It needs to work all the time, but you get the point. It's, uh, you know, 
But if, if you're self-serving or self-striving in those pressure moments, that's when it starts overtaking you. And pretty soon you're physically feeling it, emotionally feel, feeling it, phys, or, uh, mentally feeling it. Come on, somebody. And all that kind of stuff. Are you, are you still with me? Amen. Okay, so let's, let's back up and take a look at some of this because um, it's quite a list here. Um, actually, it's a pretty, pretty long list, and, uh, but it's talking about this, you know, the difference really between being lovers of themselves versus being a lover of God, if you really kind of see how it's sandwiched in there because this, the, this is the difference, okay? Are you going to be a lover of self or are you going to be a lover of God? Now, the word love is probably, what, three, four times, maybe even five times in that text. And every one of those words uh, is a different Greek word, but all of them come out of the root word phileo, okay, which means affection or friendship, but it's referring to the giving of time and attention unto. In other words, your love and money or your love and self, and even in loving God here is the same root word because he's talking about who are you going to give time and attention to. Is it all about you, or are you going to give it to God? Because it's going to determine some things. See, you know, if, if our attention and our time and our affections ain't going toward God, there's a good chance it's going somewhere it shouldn't. And then the, what happens now, it opens the door for stressful times. Still with me? Okay, well, you got to kind of work it, okay? So, uh, you know, he gives this list, and you think, you know, this ain't a list that's, you know, nobody wants to sit here and meditate on this list, you know, and nobody wants to be guilty of any of it. But if you, if you, as we go through this, you're going to see that it's either dealing with self-serving or self-striving, all right? And both of them, if you, you know, both those, you know, serving or striving is still about self. So it's about giving more time and attention to you than it is to him. Okay, so with me? You with me? Okay, so now let's, let's look at verse 2 here. We'll go back up to verse 2. And it talks about here um, uh, the lovers uh, being, uh, let's see, verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. And I believe what he does then from here is he begins to define it. Okay, this is what it would mean to be a lover of self. One would be a lover of money. Is there anything wrong with money? Nothing wrong with money. Money's just a tool. Okay, that'd be like saying, you know, I hate, I hate my hammer, if you say you hate money. Because, you know, you, you probably need that hammer somewhere along the line. And your hammer never did nothing to you. It's like, I hate guns. Well, why would you hate guns? They didn't do nothing to you. Well, that's, well, that's, that's a topic I probably shouldn't get on. The point is, it's just, you know, well, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people. But the gun's still a tool. It's still right. Okay. All right. It's used for a purpose. And uh, this is no different than a hammer. It's no different than money. It's just a tool. Amen. But it says, you know, to be in this category of lovers of themselves, one of those things is probably what you're going to see in there somewhere on the line is lovers of money. So that's that same word, phileo. In other words, you know, money has your attention all the time. Are you still with me? And so, uh, you know, you think about this, okay, if your attention is always going to money, now, uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to go and pronounce all these Greek words, but every word I'm going to bring up today, every word on this list 
all a different separate Greek word. So they're worthy of looking at. Are you hearing me? And all of them have a meaning. So a lover of money. Give me uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. Put that up there. 1 Timothy 6, 10. For the love of money. Everybody say the love of money. It doesn't say money. It says the love of money. In other words, your relationship with money, the time, the energies, what you put toward money, it says can be the root of all kinds of evil. For which some, having strayed from the faith, and I've seen this happen so many times I couldn't even count. Well, you know, I got a job. Well, so what? So everybody. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I got, I got to go, you know, I got to go work. I got to go this. I got to go that. And it's always somewhere. I got to, you know, got to make sure I got enough money. Well, so you're telling me money comes before God? Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. No, 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 no. I didn't write this. Now, I'm talking about stress. I ain't off the subject. So you're chasing money, and it says here that those that do are pierced, they pierce themselves through with many sorrows because you're chasing it. Now, according you know, to Matthew 6, the Word says you chase God, it'll all chase after you. So you're not supposed to chase money. Money's supposed to chase you. I'll try this side. Amen. You're not supposed to chase money. Money chases you. Because you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things, amen, come after you. And so what things? Well, it just got done telling you everything the Gentiles are seeking after, everything the world's trying to get. Amen. All the things they're trying to grab, all the things they're chasing after. God says all of that will chase you if you chase me. Are you still with me? So the love of money, in other words, giving all your time and energy just for the sake of money or having money, it says you'll be pierced through with many sorrows. Now that sounds like pretty stressful to me. I said, that sounds pretty stressful to me. Let's try that one more time. It sounds pretty stressful. Uh huh. So we want to eliminate stress. So, you know, stop, you know, stop giving money all the higher priority. Seek God, follow God. Now, God will lead you and guide you what to do, what not to do. Amen. And I guarantee you, you'll have the money you need. Come on, somebody. And above and beyond. Yeah. The way it should be, right? The increase should be coming in your life. Why? So you can turn and be a blessing. Amen. You should be blessed. Why? To be a blessing. Am I right? Amen. So we're not, uh, we're not against money because money's just a tool. But we are going to deal with the love of money. All right. Now, aren't you glad we're going to move on to the next one? Because uh, i got to get through the list. Somebody's saying, praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. So uh, the next one on the list in chapter 3, verse 2 of 2 Timothy, it says, uh, boasters. Now remember, you know, obviously these, this list is here for a reason, right? Yeah. So boasters, okay? So the word uh, boasters here means a braggart or one to prove oneself or to exalt oneself, Okay. In fact, put Ephesians 2, 6 up there on the board. But this word boasters, based on, when you, when you, when you, as you study, it's based on how that individual views themselves. They're trying to exalt themselves, boast on themselves, to somehow elevate themselves. Come on, somebody. Are you still with me? And so you, wouldn't, you don't have to do that. That's stressful when you've got to try to be better than everybody else. Just be you. And you're already up there, so put Ephesians uh, I, don't, I think I got Ephesians 2, 6, thank you. And uh, just, you know, real quick, I thought this is worthy of looking at. And he raised us up together, and he made us sit together 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't get much higher than that. I said you don't get much higher than that. You're raised up together with Him, and you're seated, seated together with Him in heavenly places. All right? That's right now. That ain't someday when you get to heaven. That's talking about right now. That's how you're positioned in Christ right now. So you don't get any higher than that. So you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You don't have to try to be something you're not. See, it's stressful when you're trying to be something you're not. Okay? Everybody say, no more stress. You don't see you don't have to impress nobody. You don't have to try to somehow convince everybody that you're you're something you're not. Just be who you are and you'll be just fine. Praise the Lord. Amen. So uh, a boaster. Amen. Uh, To me, uh, as we're kind of looking at this, a boaster would open himself up to uh, stress. Amen. Just trying to live and be something he's not. Praise God. All right, praise the Lord. Let's go to the next one, okay? And so in chapter 2, verse 2 again, uh, so lovers of money, boasters, then blasphemers. No, proud. That's the next one. Proud, thank you. Proud, all right? Another, another whole other Greek word here. It means haughty, arrogant opinion, or to act above others, okay? So this one is going, a, it's a little bit different than a boaster, I guess. Uh, this one here is just, uh, you know, arrogance, it's speaking mostly out of arrogance, okay? Uh, so it ain't just you trying to prove yourself, but you're just, you're just arrogant, okay? Uh, and it's based on an act. Uh, you're, so obviously it's not just something being said. So obviously it's based on even in action, okay? So look at your neighbor, say, no more, uh, no more stress. Okay, so this word, I'm, I'm going to put uh, Proverbs 28 up there. Um, and I'm going to show you why this fits the list, okay? Um, there's some things we're going to talk about coming up here in some, uh, you know, you know, a couple weeks away, maybe here or whatever, but we're going to deal with grace, all right? And, uh, you know, there's no, you know, the proud somehow don't walk in grace. And grace is necessary. So uh, anyway, uh, but I want to come at it from this angle. Uh, He who is of a proud heart, this is Proverbs 28 and verse 25, he who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. Have you ever been around strife? There ain't, sometimes there ain't some, any, many things more stressful than being around strife. So pr- pride, especially a proud heart, so somebody that arrogance, that kind of, you know, and that to act, and they're always, you know, so what happens, it stirs up strife. But he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Give me another one. Let's see, it's another Proverbs, uh, was it 16? Proverbs 16, did I give you that one? I thought I did. Proverbs 16 and 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit uh, before a fall. Now, um, you know, destruction, fall, um, none of them, if you, you know, as you study them, ain't none of that sounds pretty or good. Come on, somebody. Nobody wants that. So, you know, basically bottom line is you go down the road of pride and utter destruction, ruin is going to be there. Uh, the fall, which means there's probably some embarrassment with that. I'm just saying, none of that, uh, you know, is going to be stress-free. That just creates more stress, more anxiety, more tension. Come on. So pride needs to go out the window. Everybody say, no more stress. 
Uh-huh. You still got an ear to hear? Yeah. All right. So um, anyway, so where are we at here? So uh, uh, back to chapter 3. Let's see. Did I miss something? I don't think I got it. All right. The next one was blasphemer. So um, and it means to express reproach. Okay. Another, the word railing is another word it uses. In fact, that might actually be the first word in the definition of this word blasphemers. And that, in fact, the word blasphemers comes out of, I believe it, the Greek word is actually blasphemies. We, we get our word blaspheme. And so, um, so to blaspheme would be railing. So let me give you a definition of railing. Complaining, backbiting, murmuring, griping, to express reproach. And it, and it, it seriously means to express reproach against God or man. So it, it, to him, it just, it's just viewed the same, okay? Uh, so I put, uh, I put for this one, I put Psalm 78, put that on the board. Are you still with me? Yeah. Remember, these are all part of this thing, no more stress. Come on. So what this means, he says here in verse, uh, Psalm 78 and 19, says, Yes, they spoke against God. They said, God, or can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Now, who's, it talk, who's talking here? The children of Israel after they came out of Egypt, and that was one of the problems that they had, one of the reasons why they turned an 11-day walk into a 40-year excursion in a wilderness. Why? Because of railing. Always, you know, always complaining. Always griping. God proves himself, they find something else to gripe about. God proved himself, they find something else to gripe about. In fact, the word in, uh, I think, and actually even in seven, Psalm 78, you go a little bit further on there, like around 40, 41, it talks about how they limited the Holy One of Israel because of that. Amen. They limited God. God was trying to keep doing, and, and they just kept limiting God because of the way they were running their mouth. They complained about everything. Now listen, just, just thinking about that, uh, you know, you murmur, you gripe, you complain, you end up in a wilderness lifestyle. That, that means no, that means that is not stress-free living. Um, there ain't nothing fun about wilderness living. Now, some of you think it'd be great to be out there and hunting for a couple weeks, and you're living, living on, the, on the land or whatever. Probably not. You probably all got your, uh, you know, your motorhomes and your, uh, you know, but, uh, but, you know, sometimes you got some of the guys out there in tents, and at least, you know, somewhat, you know. And, uh, you know, you got your, you know, you're out there, ah, you know, got, you know, stuff on your face and squirt yourself with that stuff and, and, you know, it's all good. That's all great. I mean, that's wonderful. Uh, not against it. That's great. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, that's wonderful. Let's get to go out there and stink for a while and, and nobody's going to get on you for not showering or brushing your teeth and, and, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, and that's great for a week, great for two weeks, but even the, even that hardcore hunter is, you know, getting about third week, we're thinking, missing my bed, you know. And that's just, you know, so I'm talking, you know, if, you, if you're going to rile and, and you're going to gripe and speak against, it, it, it opens the door for wilderness living, all right? And I guarantee you there was nothing fun about living in the wilderness Amen. Hello for 40 years that the scriptures are clear. God made it clear. Okay. 
He called him unto himself unto the mount of God to worship. And from that mount to where they could go and overlook and see into the promised land was an 11-day walk that turned into 40 years. That's stressful. And so, uh, you know, and you could tell they were stressed out all the time because they're always griping at Moses and griping at Aaron and, and everybody else and, and mad at this and mad at that and mad at God. And, and so uh, look at your neighbor say, no more stress. So the point being, I think, you, are you getting the point? Amen. No more whining, no more griping, no more complaining because it just opens the door for stress. Amen. Just you're better off to, you know, get your, your mind on the right thing and start meditating on the right stuff. Come on now. Come on now, everybody say, no more stress. Okay, so let's go back because in order to get all this done, i got to keep moving here. Um, so uh, the next one in verse 2 of, of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy uh, is the last one, in, or, or the next one anyway, is, it says disobedient to parents. Now you as a parent would say, yes, amen, that's right. But we all have parents, amen. None of you were hatched. Come on now. And, uh, and, and even yet, there might be some in here that say, my, my upbringing wasn't good, it wasn't right, I was adopted, or I was this or that. We're not taken away from any of that. So I want to I define all this, because if you do, it makes sense, right? Why is this in the list? Right? Why is it in the list? Because it's a whole separate word again, okay? Uh, but they define it in New King James as a disobedient to parents, so the word, uh, it, it means uh, unpersuadable or contemptuous, which means defiant or rebellious, and it refers to being dishonorable. That's fed into this. And I think actually that's pretty, pretty good. So I put, because it says disobedient to parents, I wanted to put up like Ephesians 6, and it says this, children, that's right, kids, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right, right? Come on, everybody say amen. amen. Darn kids, you better, you better, better obey. Anyway, verse 2. Honor your father and mother. Now, can I ask you a question? When did that ever stop? Did that stop because you all of a sudden become a parent? That all of a sudden now, that's, you know, King's X, I'm, I'm done with that. Don't have to do that no more. Hallelujah. Now you still see it says here that honor your father and mother, see, which is a quote, right? Because it says, which is the first commandment with promise. It's a commandment. Okay, now come on. Verse 3, put that up there. It says that it why would that be so important? Well, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Well, I don't like my parents. Well, you know, you're going to have to somehow get this settled. I'm not telling you got to be chum buds. I'm not telling you got to go live with them or them live with you. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that depending on the, you know, you're going to have to somehow find it in yourself in God to be honorable. It's in the list. And somehow it's in a list, amen, that, Create stress. So to me, this, this makes some sense because I want it to be well with me. 
Amen. And I want to live long on the earth. I want to live as long as I'm supposed to. Come on, somebody. I don't want my life cut short because I was going to be a grump with my parents. You know, I was growing up, thought I knew it all. You know how it is, right? They don't know nothing. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. It's amazing. When you get a little older, you realize how smart your parents were. Man, he's, he was brilliant. Of course, at the time, I thought, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I'm glad that I got that settled so I can keep living. Come on, somebody. And that it would be well with me. I don't want a stressful life. I'd rather it be well with me. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. amen. So, so I think, you know, by looking at that, it isn't just dealing with parents either. It's actually dealing with those that God has placed in your life. Come on, somebody. It's the truth. And so just being honorable. And I'm just going to, I think that's just a good way of just bring it to simplify it. We remain honorable to those that God places in our life. Come on, somebody. Parents, leaders, things like that remain honorable. Amen. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything. It doesn't mean that you have to be chum buds and hang out all the time. But what it does mean is you still got to be honorable. Can I hear a bigger amen? amen. I, I imagine every one of these topics we could probably spend a whole sermon on. Amen. But aren't you glad we're just buzzing through them? <laughs> amen. All right. Praise the Lord. So let's look at the next one, uh, which now we get into all these unwords. Okay. So the first one's unthankful. Okay, unthankful, and it means thankless or ungrateful, but it refers to really uh, you can't find the good in something. In other words, you're being negative all the time. Okay, Um, now uh, this member produces stress. So look at your neighbor and say, "No no more stress. See, see, there's nothing positive about being negative. What's the point? Why, uh, why, you know, why are you always looking for the bad instead of, you know, look for the good? Come on, Amen. right? Uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, I don't care what situation we're in. Uh, you know, the, when you stop and you think about this, you know, you might be going through a storm, okay, in the storm of life. You know, Scripture calls it a storm of life. You might be going through a storm, but see, you don't want the storm that's out here to get in here. Because once it gets in here, now it's... It's a little bit more work. And that's when the stress and, and all the issues come because you've allowed this out here to get in here. Okay? And so this is referring to, uh, you know, not letting that happen. In fact, put First Thessalonians, put that verse up there. Uh, I thought just since we're talking about thanksgiving or giving of thanks versus being unthankful, in everything, ever say in everything. It didn't say for everything. It said in everything you give thanks. Why? Well, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And when we talk about thanks, and we do that probably multiple times in the course of a year because it's it's pretty key, okay? And so, uh, you know, I'd rather be thankful than unthankful. I'd rather be grateful than ungrateful. I'd rather be appreciative than unappreciative. Come on, somebody. Uh, because there is no point in being unthankful. There's no point in just, you know, trying to, what was that? How do you word that with that definition? Uh, uh, 
or is it here? Can't find the good or going to be negative. I mean, there's no point in, in just trying to, uh, you know, to overlook the good in everything and just always uh, gravitate toward the negative. In our society, it's, it's huge. It's, it's all about the negative. That's what sells you know, news, and that's what turns, why people turn on the television, why they, why they, why they read that article and watch that, that uh, you know, group of people that sit around and whatever they do. I'll leave it at that. But it's, it's all about find the negative. Yeah. And all it does is gets everybody worked up. Now we got this anxiety, we got tension, we got stress. Because that's all we do is want to focus on the bad. And listen, we're not denying that there's bad. We're not denying there are things to, that are going on. We're not denying uh, the stressful situations that are around us. But he said, in the midst of all of it, we give thanks. Learn to find the good and stop just gravitating toward the bad all the time. Because we want to eliminate stress. Say no more stress. Are you still with me tonight? Are you thankful you came out on a Wednesday night? I'm thankful you did. Praise the Lord. Okay, so that was unthankful. The next one of the unwords is unholy. Okay, remember all of these relate. This is, this is his list. This ain't my list. I'm serious. If I would have started thinking about all the things about eliminating stress, I probably wouldn't even have thought of half these things. Probably two-thirds of them. But when you go to look at them and you see why he wrote them in there and why when you define them, you think, well, it does create stress. So unholy. Why would unholy be a word that creates stress? Well, when you define it, it makes sense. So the word unholy here is uh, one of the words used is wicked, but it means not sanctified. In other words, referring to living dirty, okay, but it breaks it down to this, living both sides of the fence, okay? So wicked, okay, doesn't mean you're a heathen. Wicked, remember, there's, there's times where he, he deals with the church in being wicked, Okay, wicked comes out of the same root word, same word actually when you deal with wicker furniture. I mean, you've heard us say that. Okay, so it, it's this up and down, in and out. You know, one day you're high, next, one day you're serving, next, right? That's what it's referring to. Okay, you're in, you're out, you're up, you're down, you're unstable, you're stable, or appear to be stable. Come on, somebody. So why does this, this fit? Have you ever lived both sides of the fence? <laughs> hey, there ain't nothing fun about it. It's just stressful because some days you forget who you are. It's like, what side of the fence am I supposed to be on right now? And it's stressful to live that way. So it's better to just, you know, get on the right side of the fence and stay there, man. Don't live unholy. Live holy, praise God. You are called to be holy in the Lord, praise the Lord. Come on, right? Look at your neighbor and say, no more stress. So stop playing the other side of the fence. And I put, uh, uh, what did I put for a reference? I put 2 Timothy 2, I think is what I did here. 
uh, verse 21, and uh, without reading the whole text here, but uh, it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, in other words, you know, you, you got the uh, whole honorable and dishonorable, the, the gold and the, the wood, and he's, he's kind of going all in text here. Uh, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, in other words, the stuff that you don't want, you get rid of it. And he will then be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every work. So if we're not going to you know, eliminate the junk, instead we're going to try to live both sides of the fence, you're probably not going to be a vessel for honor. Sanctified just means set apart, amen, for, for a purpose. You're probably going to miss out on some of that. You're going to miss out on being useful for the master. And, 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 and you know, we've studied this in depth, and that word useful for the master is, is a, 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 what it does, it gives, it exemplifies as if a, 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 a carpenter reaches into the tool shed to grab hold of a specialty tool. So he's, that tool is useful for the master. So right now he needs that specialty tool to do a job. So when you start looking at that, as far as you and me, when you're going to live both sides of the fence, he's probably not going to reach into the tool shed and grab you. Because you're probably not prepared for every good work. Are you still hearing me? And that's why sometimes when you know, people get up and say, well, I don't understand why God... Listen, listen, you can't live both sides and then think you're going you're gonna to go win the world. That went over like a lead balloon. Come on now. And that creates stress. So no more stress. Amen. So let's get past that one. Hallelujah. Let's try another one, like unloving. Yeah, the next word there, chapter 3, verse 3, unloving. Now I'm messing with you. I'm going to, yeah, pastor, unloving. It's a whole other word but it means without natural affection. But it means this, get this, hard-hearted toward kindred. <laughs> Talking about, you know, uh, where are we at with our family? <laughs> well, no, come on. So unloving, this word here refers to being uh, without natural affection or hard-hearted toward kindred, toward kinfolk, toward family. Does that not create stress? Oh, baby. Yeah, that's why it's in the list. You know, when you're acting like a poop, you know. You wonder why they're mad at you? You kick them around and you wonder why they want to kick you around? You call them names and you wonder why they want to call you names? It's like, oh, I got to go to the reunion. Oh, my God, I can't stand it. Ah. I hate these dinners. I hate holidays. Why? Because I got to hang out with my family. Hmm, that's stressful, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm all stressed out before I get there. I'm all pins and needles and tents and just waiting for, you know, Uncle Sam to say something. Shut up, man! Just shut up! 
They all go, sheesh, what's your problem? You are. Right? See, I've been there. Does that not create tension? Huh? And old mom's back there working. <laughs> Can't we just all get along? Can't we just all get along? Can't we just all get along? Please, for an hour, two hours, then you can go home. Mom's, by the end of the day, her hair's falling out. Dad's wanting to punch a kid or two. And that's just such a wonderful environment. Right? So this is part of the list. Somebody says, did you have my reunion? <laughs> I had my own. Hallelujah. Now we all get along great. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do. We get along good now. All right, so unloving, praise the Lord. Uh, did I give a verse for that one? I think I did. Uh, Colossians 3. I just thought this was a good one. Above all things, come on, this is it. Above all these things, you put on love, come on, which is the bond of perfection. Well, pastor, you don't know where I got. No, listen, it doesn't matter. He says you've got to put on love. You've got to put it on. Okay, so not be unloving, but you've got to walk in love. So you've got to put on love. It's the bond of perfection, amen, regardless of who's in the house, what they did, what they said. You still got it. You're still accountable for God to live this. And you want to avoid stress? Listen, if they want to live in stress, that's their business. I don't have to fix everybody. In fact, I just assume not. I just, you live what you want to live. Go do what you want to do. Now, but as far as my, me and my house, we're going to serve God. And we want the blessing. And we want to live long. And we want to, come on, somebody. I, 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 want, I, want, I want stress-free. Come on, somebody. So as far as I'm concerned, this is what we're going to do. Right? Amen. And so that's what we do. So anyway, praise the Lord. So let's get past that one. Hallelujah. Uh, unloving. Uh, oh, God, the next one. Unforgiving. See, if I didn't get on your thing, I am now. Some, somewhere along the line, you're going to fall in here somewhere probably, right? Come on now. You see, you know, somewhere along the line, it's like, okay, I have that tendency, whatever. Uh, again, another dif different word, unforgiving, means truceless, okay, so to break truce, okay, so it's truce breaker, um, so it's kind of a covenant type term here, um, but it means irreconcilable with others. So put Colossians 3 back up, verse 12 this time. So, uh, so whereas the first one, or the one last one, was dealing with, basically dealing more about those that you're around that are, that are part of family. This just, just covers the rest of them. So, you know, you're going to have to walk in love and walk in forgiveness. You know, and the other day I heard uh, uh, somebody define forgiveness, and I thought, or unforgiveness, pardon me. Uh, they defined unforgiveness as, you know, it's you drinking poison and waiting for the other guy to die. That's what unforgiveness is. So if you see it as poison, amen, and, and is that not stressful? So, you know, you drinking poison and waiting for the other guy to die is pretty silly, and that, but that's what unforgiveness is. So uh, I, I took a part of that same text there, but I just kind of backed up a couple verses. Therefore, this is Colossians 3, 12, 
Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, uh, put on tender mercies, put on kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Come on. You know, he says long-suffering for a reason. Because sometimes, that, you know, that guy, I don't know what his problem is. Why does he always want to be a grump? Why does he always want to be mad? Why does he always want to be against me? Why? It doesn't matter. You put on long-forgiveness, right, or, or uh, long-suffering, Amen. And just keep walking in forgiveness. Come on. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, and we all do, nobody's excluded from this. And we all think we're justified in our complaints. Pastor, you just don't know. Talk to the hand because the head ain't listening. If you were in my house, you'd understand. If you were in that situation, you'd understand. If you work where I work, you'd understand. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, he didn't say that you're without complaint. He just says if anybody has a complaint, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You're still accountable for God to let it go, praise God, and be forgiving. Unforgiveness stirs stress. Everybody say, no more stress. Are you still connected? Okay. I have a few less yeses on that one. Well, I know. See, sometimes you get on some of these things, and remember, it's part of the list, and if you want to live a stress-free life, come on, somebody. And and if you think about this, remember, go back to what we were talking about, the fact that, you know, what are you going to be, a lover of God or a lover of self? What are you going to do? Because if it's all about you, self-serving and self-striving, then it's just going to be a stressful life for you. Well, you, well I'm, not, I'm not being self, uh, self-serving. self Listen, if you won't let go of an offense, that's self-serving. It's all about you. Well, that's how I feel, and I'm justified in my feelings. Huh? Self-serving, I should, what I say? Is that right? Self-serving or whatever, you know. So uh, anyway, you got to let go of some of this stuff. It isn't worth it. No. I said it ain't worth it. No. Well, that person ain't changed yet. So what? Maybe if you change, you know, we can go a lot of verses on this about, you know, if you don't forgive, and then it's like it brings the Father into the mix, and he's like, well, you know, you ain't going to forgive. And it even talks about how your unforgiveness holds another in a place of bondage. I mean, it's like, you know, man, it's just better to let it go. Because I'm not the judge. Hallelujah. Because if I was, God, I'd been in a lot of trouble. I wouldn't have a church. Or a family. family. (laughs) (laughs) How come I'm all alone? Anyway, we better move on. <laughs> Unforgiving. What's the next one uh, back in verse, chapter 3, verse 3? It is the word slanderers. Slanderers, huh, slanderers. Well, uh, uh, diabolos, okay, which uh, actually Spanish, it means devil, and it actually does mean devil. And it also means false accuser. So put 12, uh, Revelations 12 up. Um, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. So we know who we're talking about. 
who deceives, everybody say deceiver, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. He's no longer there, by the way, but he is still an accuser. And so what he does is he works through you and me. He gets you, amen, to yield to it. And the next thing you know, you're accusing and then they're accusing. And, and all that you've done is you just join forces with the deceiver. You hooked arm in arm with the accuser and you're going around just giving it voice. Are you still with me? And all it does is create tension everywhere. Strife, stress. So when you start looking at this word slanderer, you know, it starts making some sense because, you know, uh, an accuser, it even means a false accuser. You know, a lot of times, well, you're making an accusation, you know, do you really know? Well, you, you might assume, and you may even be right. But do you really know? Some of these things we get jump on board about, you know, something gets said over the airways and we just hop on and start talking it ourselves. And most of those people are, well, you know, our, our sources say, yeah, that lion dingleberry down the street. Come on, somebody. Just had, just had you know, chip on his shoulder and said something. And we go, yeah, our sources say that so-and-so did so-and-so and so-and-so is guilty of so-and-so. And we go, oh, and we all jump on board. And now we've just jumped into the, band, the mix. And the whole thing just does nothing but create strife and contention and stress. And Are you still with me? Okay. Aren't you glad we're going to get over this list today? Everybody say, no more stress. stress. Praise the Lord. Well, we better get going then. Okay, uh, without self-control is the next one. Chapter 3, verse 3 of 2 Timothy, without self-control. So it uh, it means powerless or no moral discipline. Okay, so let's uh, put 1 Corinthians 9. I thought this was worthy of kind of, you know, putting this up. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. Everybody say temperate. Temperate. It means exercises self-control is what it means. In all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Verse 26. This is again 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. In other words, I have purpose. I know where I'm going. I know what's happening. Okay, I got, I've got purpose. I got a goal. I know what I'm trying to do. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. In other words, I ain't shadow boxing with my shit, you know. I, I've, I've literally, I've got purpose. I know where I'm headed, but I discipline my body. And I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, the bottom line is, you know, when you're without self-control, okay, without uh, discipline, okay, then everything's out of control, right? So if everything's out of control, you don't know where you're going, what's going to happen, what's going to this, what's going to that, your body's out of control. And it says you can even get to the place where you become disqualified. In the eyes of others. Why? Because they, you're, you're out of control. Now, nobody wants to be guilty of that. Come on, somebody. This is talking to the church. ain't talking to the world. So the point is, is being without self-control, 
uh, again, defined as uh, powerless. That makes you powerless and no moral discipline. So what happens is we're just, we're just out of control. Now, what happens in if everything else now is falling apart, you got no purpose, you got no goal, you're not, you don't know where you're headed with this, with that, what's happening here, your body's out, everything's out of control, it does nothing but stir stress. But with some discipline... Come on, with some self-control, praise God, you can eliminate a lot of, lot of stress. Amen. That just, I thought, you know, maybe you had a little bit more movement out of you on that one, but... Look at your neighbor, no more stress. All right, see? See, there's a reason to, be, to, to live disciplined. Come on, somebody. There's a reason. You say, why are you just pulling me under the law? I ain't pulling you under the law. Anybody that says that, you're already under the law. Don't tell me that. You're already dealing everything with your own power anyway. So, you know, I'm talking about being disciplined, leaning on God, let God walk you through things, show you things, give you some purpose. Come on, somebody. I have, you know, I'm not uncertain. I'm certain. I know where I'm going. I ain't out there shadow boxing. Amen. When I swing, I connect. Come on, somebody. Are you still hearing me? Amen. But when you're constantly, you know, you know, living life like this and trying to, where's the enemy now? You're going from one spot fire to another spot fire. Come on, right? You know, like one brother one time said, you know, it's like, you know, it's like you got a, a whole scenario going over here. So here comes the ambulance. You come over here by the time you get over here, it's like, oh, now it's over there. Oh, no, it's over there. That is stressful. Just that noise does enough. To... But that's how you live life. And if that's how you live in life, you're constantly having to chase and put out spot fires all the time. It's just stressful. You live a life of discipline. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, anyway, it changes it. Amen. So look at your neighbor and say, no more stress. All right, what's the next one? This one here, okay, uh, the word brutal. What a word, brutal. Don't be brutal. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means fierce, savage, mean, but it, it refers to an evil for evil. So somebody being brutal is the reason they're being brutal is because somebody did me wrong. Bless God, I'm going to get them for it. That's stressful. Here it comes. See that no one renders evil for evil. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. See, it's not just about you. And when you stop and you think about this, man, I want stress gone. It, it, it ain't just about me. I mean, my decisions are going to affect my family, going to affect my church, going to affect those around me. Come on, somebody, right? So, I mean, when you stop and think about it, all of this, what, why, why just, you know, try to get even with everybody? I mean, you, you think you could? I mean, really? I mean, you stop and you think about it, you know, could you really... You know, just, you know, about the time you think you, you got even, here it comes again, because 
You're just in the vicious cycle because you keep sowing it, and now here it comes again. Except it always gets magnified. Because that little kernel of corn didn't just produce one big massive kernel of corn. It produced a whole bunch of kernels of corn. Come on, somebody. What we sow is what we reap. So that's why you want to stop that mess. Amen? All right. Are you still glad you came out on a Wednesday night? All right. The next one is despisers of good. Despisers of good. Kind of similar to what we talked about earlier, but when you look it up, it has a whole different meaning. It, it, it means hostile to virtue or sarcastic of good. And we're really in a sarcastic uh, society anymore. Most humor nowadays is all based on sarcasm. And, uh, but I'll leave that alone. But the, but the point is, is that we, you know, we can't be connected with sarcasm of good or hostile to virtue. Uh, I put like Psalm 77, uh, verse 3. Um, this here, I remembered God and, I, and was troubled. Now, this, in context, what's happening is he's got stuff going on. He's upset. He's worked up. And then it's like he was mad at this and mad at that. And, mad at that. and then all of a sudden he remembered, oh, yeah, God. Hey, God! This guy bummed me out. This guy did. This guy should. So it's referring to when remembering God. You think that'd be a good thing, but this in text is not a good thing because he decided. Oh yeah, I forgot. I can gripe to God too. Nobody else is listening. Well, he ain't either. Be honest about it. But anyway, <laughs> I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. You know what that word overwhelmed means? Stressed out. Stressed out. All right? So, you know, uh, I just thought, you know, you know, think about being, you know, mad at everything. And in context, I should have probably read more of it, I guess. But in context, it, you know, there's, there's enough good going around, and this person's just mad at this person. just wants to be mad at this person. doesn't matter what they've done good. They just want to be mad. So I put another one in here just so, uh, you know, uh, Psalms 1, 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits. You notice you've got to guard where you walk, stand, and sit. If you want to be blessed, empowered to prosper, empowered to succeed, then you've got to guard where you walk, where you stand, where you sit. Amen. Okay, all right. So where you sit, the, it refers to the seat of the scornful. And it means one that, that uh, mimics or, or uh, mocks uh, what's good. And you've got to guard that because it ain't going to be long and you're going to do it. And like I said, you know, nowadays uh, sarcasm is so huge and, you know, it isn't, they don't just are sarcastic of things that go wrong. A lot of times people are sarcastic of what's good. And they try to make a joke out of it. And, uh, and we've all been around this. Come on, somebody. If you've worked anywhere in the world, I guarantee you somewhere along the line you come across this. Amen. And you've got to guard. You can't let that. Because it, it's just another one of those things that produces stress in our lives. So no more stress. All right? So you don't need to be hanging around that kind of mess. And you don't need to be guilty of it either. Please. Come on. Most of the time when you're, you're being sarcastic, something you don't have a clue about what's going on anyway. 
You see a little piece of it, and you just assume something. So there's no sense going down that road. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. amen. Probably could, should have stayed a lot longer on that one. But anyway, let's look at some more here. What do we got here? Because we got to get going here. Uh, traitors. That's another. the next one. Traitor just means betrayal. It means to surrender over or to step on one another or to step on another, to surrender over to. Now it's talking about, uh, so it's dealing with, uh, you know, something evil on another. And so it refers to really, bottom line, uh, stepping on one another. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 3, please. Uh, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one, here we go, esteem others better than himself. Come on now, listen. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest. God knows you got interests. We're not taking your interests away, but you also look out for the interests of others. Come on, somebody. We're not, it's not a, you know, even though out there in the world it's dog eat dog, that's not how we live. We ain't looking to step on everybody just to try to get ahead. That's what it's referring to. And uh, so uh, it isn't worth it, and all it's going to do is produce stress because when you sow that mess, it's going to come back and it's going to bite you. Come on now. All those guys that used to write all those business books about, yeah, just dog eat dog, and you duh, and you don't hear from them anymore because all those guys that, that actually ran business that way are no more. They sold a million books, but come on. No more because you don't, that ain't how you do it. Because I don't care whether you're saved or unsaved, you live that way, you sow it, you'll reap it. And here comes payday, and sometimes payday ain't fun. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. The next word, headstrong. <laughs> Everybody say, no more stress. <laughs> headstrong. Uh, to be rash or rashly, reckless, heedless, but it means ungovernable. To not be able, not, you're not able to be governed. Okay? So out of control again. Okay? It's all, you know, it's all about you. And nobody's going to tell me. This is the way I live. Well... It ain't right. I don't care. It's the way I am. Your head's strong. Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool <laughs> is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. We need to be governed. Come on, somebody. Be able to be governed. Come on, right? Because we don't know everything. And sometimes it's all right take some counsel, some heed from somebody. They say, hey, you, 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 you're not looking at this right. You're not seeing this right. Right? Come on. So you got to be able to take counsel, but somebody that's headstrong don't take counsel. And so it creates nothing but stress. Psalms, uh, uh, I, I don't think I gave you this, but Psalms 14, and I think it's like also Psalms... 53, I think. Oh, you got it. Okay, Psalms 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, they are corrupt, and they have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Now, there is no God. So a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, in, 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 in the Hebrew, it doesn't say that. A fool says in his heart, no, God. No. So he's, that's why he's a fool. Because he won't give heed when God's trying to instruct, trying to show him, this is the path you take. No! Well, where do you think you're going to go? Because if you're not going to go down his road, there's another road, and I guarantee you, it, the Word says, it ends in destruction. 
So, you know, you, you know, so you don't want to be headstrong. It isn't worth it. It creates stress for everybody. Let's get past that one. Hallelujah. Haughty. There's another one. Now, we, you kind of think maybe we touched on that, but when you look it up again, a whole other Greek word, and it means high-minded, inflated with self, or here we go, enveloped with smoke. So it's talking about, you know, you have this view <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> You're not even seeing, you know. So I put uh, Romans 12, go ahead and put that up there. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, okay? All right, not under the influence of anything. That's what it means. As God has dealt to each man a measure of faith. In other words, don't, you know, don't, don't take this look at yourself like you're some high and mighty thing. Just, you know, you, you're, 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 you're in the smoke, dude. Come on. And, and you're acting that way just creates tension and, and strife and, and all that mess. And next thing you know, we got stress everywhere. And it's just better to just, you know, you know, just walk with some humility. Come on now. About the time you, you think you know everything, that's probably a sure sign you don't know anything. Come on, right? And that's a fact. So anyway, everybody say, no more stress. No more stress. Hallelujah, one left. <laughs> it kind of starts with the love of money and then ends with this one, a lover of pleasure. A whole nother Greek word but deals with that word phileo again, okay? That's the root word of it. But it means to gratify your flesh, but it, the word voluptuous, which means, as you look at it, it means to love luxury. Now, is there anything wrong with luxury? There ain't. But again, it's talking about you give all your time and your energies and your attention and your affection toward making sure you have the best of everything all the time or something. Okay, so that all becomes a higher priority, and so you're chasing after everything. You know, about the time you get, you know, cell phone number eight, all of a sudden, ten, you know, nine's coming out, and I better go get another nine, and then ten comes out, and anyway, I don't know, I'm just saying, you're just chasing after everything, and sometimes, you know what, it's it just, you know, it ain't worth it. Uh, nothing wrong with luxury. Amen. I think everybody should have the house they want, live in the place they want, sit on the furniture they want, have the bed they want, drive the car they want. Hallelujah. I thought I'd get more support out of that one. But anyway, uh, you know, you should have the garage that has at least three or four, five, eight bays. Hallelujah. And then, I mean, why not? No big deal. Praise the Lord. But, you know, but when your attention's costly on that and that's everything you chase, you're missing the boat. And so I put, uh, I put again, second... Uh, Timothy 6, or 1 Timothy 6, sorry. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, we kind of used a verse earlier on, but this says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust, here we go, in uncertain riches, you know, right? But in the living God, right? Who gives us richly, isn't this good? God gives us richly all things to enjoy, amen? But don't trust that mess. Don't trust, that's just stuff, it's just things, right? So, you know, so verse uh, 18 let them do good. This is 1 Timothy 6, by the way. Let, let them do good 
that they may be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. Praise God. Did I give another verse in there or not? Okay, yep. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on it to eternal life. God ain't trying to take away your stuff. God ain't trying to take away your things. God just says, listen, make God the, the, the point of your affection. And when you do that, you'll know how to use the money right. Come on, somebody. Amen. You'll know. Amen. That's just the facts. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. God would love to have all of you walk in the fullness of the blessing. It's what it should be. Amen. But when God's the point of your affection, guess what? It works. But when you're the point of your affection, we get stress. Everybody say, no more stress. We got through the list. Man, don't you feel it? You know, like, hey, we accomplished something today. Woo! Why don't you all stand up? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, be a lover of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor once again. We're thankful for this people today. Thank you that ears to hear and a heart to receive. And Father, we give you praise. Hallelujah. This house is full of lovers of God. Hallelujah. Those listening and watching by internet, lovers of God. Hallelujah. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. Lord, hallelujah. We choose to love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Amen. And with that, praise God, we'll walk free from stress. Praise God, and we give you the praise and the glory that we can live a stress-free life, praise God, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Look, if somebody say a stress-free living. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.